You know, I have never taught even a Sunday school class uh, sitting down. I don't know why, uh, but it was just always more comfortable for me to stand up. But, you know, uh, even when we had the Bible class back here about three years ago, the, um, I would always stand up and other people in. But, you know, we have to adjust our lives to um, every day to what happens in our lives or what's happening in our world or whatever. And uh, I have learned through the patience of many of you in the last little while to be patient each day, take each day as it comes. And uh, I think that that's one of the things I have to be thankful for, or I've got several things here, so I better pay attention to this. Uh, one of the things I have to be thankful, and some of you may be saying, well, Thanksgiving's already over, you know, and she's still thanking the Lord. Well, I am. Because during this time, what's it been? Three months, four months? Uh, I have heard from many of you that you were praying for me, if not all of you. But the way I've looked at it, it wasn't like someone saying, I prayed for you. You know, you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed. And you prayed, as the scripture says, without ceasing. And uh, but and that has been an encouragement to me. Uh, I went through the birthday, and that was the hard thing. But then when I saw all the active people that were older than me and looked, I thought a lot better than me. I thought there might be hope, and I might make it after all. And so that depression from that time is gone. I think that the things that really stand out to me is I thank God that you stood by this Bible study. You realize that God doesn't just call Regina Shelton or Will Shuey. And that's a hard lesson sometimes, you know. I know in a lot of churches they may have problems with different people that are in offices and yet when somebody else comes in and they decide that maybe they want them to hold that office then the next thing you know, there's a hurt. But when God calls us, he doesn't just call each one of us. He calls everyone. And we're called to serve in the church in different ways. And so you realize that while I was out that God calls Dr. Smitty. In fact, he's probably called Dr. Smitty as long as he has me or longer and Dr. Smitty is definitely a man of God, and the more that you know him, you know that. A man that has been very faithful to serving the Lord. So he's not gone. In fact, he may even be here next Sunday, or next, what is it? It's not Sunday. and We don't go to church on Sunday. It's Saturday. And then this is Wednesday. But... Um, uh, I've also heard from Pastor Will that it's been many people in this class have started being more active in the church. Uh, there's some that are cleaning the church now. There's some that are working in the different areas of the church as a volunteer. And uh, some of you are just working by uh, in, uh, 
Sylvia is liable to speak up and say working. If she tells you a story about coming to my house and that I told her when she called that I had a few things to hang up that I couldn't reach, uh, it took her six and a half hours, I think, that day to try to get those few items hung up. But anyway, uh, we all serve in different ways. And uh, I'm very proud of this class. And I thank God for each and every one of you and what you are doing. We find out that as we read the Gospel of John or any of the Gospels, that um, the main purpose is to introduce all of us to who Jesus Christ is and how he lived so that we might live the same way and also that we may be evangelists and go out and tell the gospel to other uh, people. So it doesn't just have to happen here. It happens on the streets. It happens at home. And as difficult as it is sometimes, it happens with our family. Let us take a few moments to pray. Heavenly Father, our needs are great. But we know that you can supply every need that not only we have, but those that are not here today have. We realize there are many that are sick. There are those that chose not to come because of the weather. There's those that are dealing with all kinds of difficulties and even things they don't want to share. We pray now that you will be with them. But our concern today is that as we read your word, we will become closer to you. We will understand what you are calling each of us to do. And Lord, we pray that you'll help us to accept that call. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Um, I remember, it's been several months ago, and we uh, were trying to decide where we go next after we studied uh, James. And I always like to read James. I mean, it's short. I knew that if someone didn't like the study of James, it wouldn't take us but a few weeks, and then they'd be, uh, we'd go to something else. But... Uh, the Lord led me, and I'm sure the rest of us, to study the uh, epistles or letters that uh, John, the beloved disciple, wrote. And then after that, we, or while we were studying that, we found out a little bit about him, and we found out, this is just a review, uh, we found out that Jesus uh, had given him the name of Son of Thunder. My dad grew up in a place called Saltville, Virginia. Everybody there had a nickname, everybody. And there was a book written at one time called Shakers. The Shakers play better in the rain or something like that. It was written by a United Methodist pastor. And in that book, he called all the people in the town by their nickname. So a nickname can be good or it can be bad if, it's, if you're named that because of something that you do that's bad. Um, I remember I had an uncle 
and his name was Conehead. Well, I'm not sure I'd want that name all my life, and he went through it with all that time. But um, anyway, we're talking about the Son of Thunder, which is uh, uh, John, and um, he was part of the inner circle of Peter, James, and John, and almost everything that Jesus was involved in, John was there. The transfiguration, I mean, he never even spoke of himself or mentioned himself by name when he wrote uh, the book of John. Um, Katie, is that what you, what was your first name? Katie, oh, I got that right, I'm doing better. I'm doing better, I'm proud of myself. I don't know why, but you know, they seem to be getting it more than you are, you know, because I'm not looking over your way. But I just don't want to leave you out, so that's okay. No, it's just that they're probably, well, I'm not going to say, could be guilty of some of the things we're saying. No, I'm just kidding you. But I, sometimes you notice that you're focused a certain way and you're not taking everybody in, so I don't want you to feel left out. Okay, good. Um, again, John never mentioned himself. Uh, he did refer to himself in his writings as the one that Jesus loved or the beloved John or the and also uh, we probably could refer to him as the apostle of love the reason why that I chose to read from the first second and third epistle of John is the word love is just everywhere in it. Do you remember when we studied those? And here we are talking about the same man has written the Gospel of John. Um, again, he was present with Jesus in almost everything. Uh, several years ago, you that have been in the Methodist Church a while know that Bishop Swanson was the bishop of the Holston Conference. And uh, he made the statement at one time that all the pastors, the ordained and local pastors or licensed pastors in the Methodist church and, and uh, was supposed to um, preach from the gospels. Well, you that have been here a while know that that's mostly where Pastor Will goes. And it was always for me and I thought, why do we need to preach, him tell us we need to preach from the Gospels? Because we are doing it anyway. He wanted us to know that our main goal is to study the life of Jesus Christ, how he lived, so that we may tell others about the Savior that we do serve. Um, there's eight signs that Jesus was the Son of God. And... Um, in this book, or the Gospel of John, um, you've already covered a lot of them because we're getting to chapter 9. But uh, in chapter 2, Jesus turned water to wine. In chapter 4, uh, Jesus healed the Roman official, which proved that he uh, extended his ministry to everyone even the people you don't like, the people that are your enemies, like in this case, the Roman official. The love that Jesus had was for all. 
and uh, we know that's true today. He healed the invalid at the pool of Bethesda when you got to chapter five. Chapter six, he fed 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two small fish. I always get the, the bread and the fish mixed up. You know, in other words, well, I guess it would have been, uh, I think sometimes it's five fish and two loaves of bread. When we think of the people that are hungry today, we can't help but think that Jesus had the power and the authority because he was the Son of God. That's the main purpose in all these miracles and things that happened was to prove that he was different from a prophet. He was different from others that had professed this or that, but he was actually the Son of God. All this was in preparation for him to go to the cross and by giving his life to prove that he loved us no matter what we've done. He's willing to forgive us. Um, that's almost all of the miracles. We get to one today, the ninth chapter, and it's the healing of the blind man. But the last one that's listed and I want us to always remember this, is the resurrection. When we talk about the miracles of Jesus, many times we don't speak of the resurrection as a miracle. It's the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performed was that he was willing to be victorious, uh, he was able to be victorious over the dead. Uh, we're going to talk today about him saying in verse 5 that he's the light of the world. There's, he, we speak a lot about John's gospel and how it's listed that there are, I think, I don't know. Do you know, Will, how many I am's? Is it eight? Yeah. What always we get lost in is the numbers, you know? And... Um, I noticed that Will and Jimmy show now has their questions back. That's good. Okay, let's go to chapter 9. And uh, we'll begin reading some of this. Do you remember how old John was when he died? Y'all remember any of that from what we had before? 98, some uh, commentators believe. Okay, chapter 9, and I'm reading from the New King James. I think a lot of you have King James. Terry, do you have anything? No, <laughs> you just listen. Okay, everybody else got something. You're... Okay, <laughs> that's all right. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? My sister uh, that I lost several years ago, preacher said one time, said, why do you say somebody's lost when you know where they are? And that's true, but um, she was on dialysis 
uh, for eight years. She had had quadruple bypass heart surgery. Uh, she had had pancreatic cancer and a multitude of other things. But when she was asked, or anyone would ask her, what do you desire if you had one wish? And she, again, was blind, and she said that I might see. You know, I feel that way. Do you ever pretend when you were young that uh, you couldn't see? I did. I can remember going through the house and just trying to feel around and, and to see, you know, uh, what it was like. But I know that it was a very fearful state to be in because you really didn't even know who was around you or what harm you could be in. Um, I don't know if it would be different with someone that had never seen. Uh, my sister just lost her sight in her last years. But um, it has to be something that all of us would I mean, it really bothered me when my son, or I became a grandmother, and she could not see uh, the child. But the man that we're talking about here, Jesus didn't pass by. He stopped. It says he passed by, but he didn't pass by the man. See, sometimes we have that tendency to not see some things or to go on because to see someone that's less fortunate than we are or someone that really has a problem, uh, that makes us uncomfortable. And it really shouldn't. It should make us quick to be able to, or try to help them in some way. Uh, the disciples asked him, and they called him rabbi, which you know the meaning of that, and that's teacher. And it says, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? The culture of that day and a lot of the time, even now, are people believe that if they see someone that has done something, that they are going through something bad, they're severely ill, they assume sometimes that that's God punishing them for what they've done. Um, God doesn't punish us with sickness. You agree with that? Right. I have seen some of the best people that I know of suffer with everything, and my sister was one of those. And yet we asked why sometimes do they, they suffer? And yet, in this scripture, the uh, next few verses, it will tell us why. Why do bad things happen to good people? Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. See, the people believed they had to sin um, for uh, their son to be blind. He said, neither the man nor his parents sinned. In other words, what you believe has happened here did not happen. He said, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Simply saying that God might receive the glory. Some people are sick sometimes because of what, and go through suffering, and because they do, God is glorified 
whether it's in their healing or whether it's in the way that they accept what's happening to them and go through the suffering. That's their testimony many times when they're severely ill, that they serve a God who can take care of them, and that's letting others that are going through the same thing feel the same way. Verse 4, I must work the works of him who sent me. Now this is Jesus again, if you have the red letter editions. While it is day, the night is coming when no one can work. He is referring in this next verse, he explains uh, 3 and 4 when he says in verse 5, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. So what he's saying, as long as I'm here, there's light. But when I, and, and we can work, the work is to make disciples, to get believers to accept him as the son of God. But he said, but the night's coming. In other words, there's going to come a time when I'll no longer be here. Uh, we find later that... Um, when he does leave, that we're not left without anyone, but we are left with the Holy Spirit. I love those chapters. I think it's 14, 15, and 16, and we will probably uh, get to them before too long. When he had said these things, verse 6, he spat on the ground, made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. When we do what God asks us to do, we'll be blessed. It's all in obedience too. In other words, Jesus in this particular case spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, but still up to that point, he, could not, he still could not see. The healing had not taken place. The healing didn't take place until after he did what he told him to do. He said that he went and washed and came back seeing. In other words, we have to obey God in order for healing to take place in our lives. We obey God and we'll be blessed. We'll be made happy. And you know that when the man came back, he definitely was happy because of uh, he now could see. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had since seen that he was blind said, is not this he who sat and begged? Now, in this day, if you could not see or you had a disability where you could not walk or whatever, then that meant you couldn't work and there wasn't agencies that helped you, government agencies. What you had to do was what this man was doing and that was just big. And yet when Jesus passed by, he never had to do any more begging after that, no doubt because he was made well. 
everyone is noticing what's happening. And we've got all these people involved in this. And so it says the neighbors, this is verse 8, and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, is this not, is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, it's like him. And, but the man said, or he said, I am he. Therefore, they said to him, or they asked him, how were your eyes opened? And he answered and he said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Shalom and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Then they said to him, where is he? In other words, they're looking for Jesus and he's not there. And he said, the man that was healed said, I do not know. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now, we're talking about the um, ones that have been in the conversation here have been the neighbors. Now we've got the religious leaders are getting in the conversation. And there's questions going on about how this miracle did happen and who was Jesus? Who was this man? They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. What's wrong with that verse? It was a Sabbath. I tell you, it's a sad day when people have to be healed on certain days and certain days you don't help them. You know, that's a sad time. And yet to say this was the religious leaders no one is celebrating the fact that the man now can see. But they're finding fault and saying that he can see, but whoever has done this or helped him has done it on a Sabbath day. You can't do that. You should be able to help people every day, whatever the day is. Now, it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put clay on my eyes and washed, and I see. He is repeating his testimony over and over again. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. They're being ugly, aren't they? <laughs> He said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. In other words, you cannot keep the Sabbath and you're a sinner. Or you can heal someone on the Sabbath and you're a sinner. Others said, how can a man who's a sinner do such signs and there was division among them. One of the ugliest words that's probably in any language is division. I hate it. <laughs> you know, uh, we hear about it all the time. It can be in a family. It could be in a church. It's definitely uh, in the political world. I mean, we are divided on so many things. 
and yet that does not do a thing but separate us. And if there was love for all, there would not be the division. We would accept the fact that other people have a right to believe what they do, we do, but the love we have should be the same for them. And there was a division among them. Again, some believed one thing, some believed another. They said to the blind man again, what do you say about him? You know, this, they say that Jesus' uh, conversation with the woman at the well was probably one of the longest conversations recorded that Jesus had with an individual. This one's a long one, but it's not with one individual. It's with neighbors and Pharisees and anybody that's around and the man and his mother and his daddy. And, you know, it's a big conversation, and it's a long one because there's 41 verses, I think, in this chapter. And yet uh, the other one we talked about, the woman at the well, then pretty well the conversation was only with her. But this is a long encounter trying to figure out with who Jesus is. Again, is he a prophet? I mean, is he a sinner? How can he do these things? But the Jews did not believe concerning him. We're getting the Jews now in here. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him and uh, who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? In other words, we're like some mom and dad to see if they can explain what's happened here. His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son. That's good. That's positive. And we do not know... No, we know that this is our son. But by what? And that he was born blind. We know that much. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. You know, this part was a little strange to me because they're telling him to ask, their son, but would they not be afraid that he would be put out of the synagogue? Now, I read somewhere where you could be put out for 30 days, and I guess get back in after that. Or you could just be expelled and that was it, you know. They, but you know, it's pretty hard for me to believe that we can judge 
people, even today when we talk with the church, to who's in and who's out. You know, that's God's call. You know, and, um, but anyway, they were trying to run it that way because they were going to get rid of this young man. Therefore, his parents said, he is, is of age, ask him. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. Now, some translations say, tell the truth. We know that this man is a sinner. Now, when they say this man, they're referring to Jesus because that's all they think he is, is another man. But again, the purpose of the Gospels is to let us know that Jesus was God's son. Therefore, his parents said he's, I keep going back up there. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he is, now this is the man that has been healed. This is what he said. Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know that though I was blind, now I see. A lot of times we do not give God credit for what he does in our lives. We can know that we've been healed, but yet we're very slow to even tell somebody or give our testimony about what has happened. I've often used the illustration of many people here will pray that God heals their loved one and they can drive, say, to Vanderbilt, stay a week or two, come back, well, and um, they'll say, that doctor here in Kingsport didn't know anything. They don't accept the fact that prayers went on from the time they left here till the time that they came back. God heals a lot of people. I mean, even my liver transplant to me was a healing. That's why I said it ain't over yet. I thought it was over eight years ago. But you know, evidently it's not. Then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. But do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they revealed him, reviled him and said, you are his disciples but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses as for this fellow. We do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing, and you do not know where he is from, yet he's opened my eyes. A lot of things we don't understand. A lot of spiritual things we don't understand. But there's nothing that says that we have to. We do have to accept 
the things that God has done for us by faith. Many times, again, not understanding, just like this man said, that all he knew was that he had opened his eyes. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. In other words, this has never happened before. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. See, there's someone here that's believing. The believing is taking place. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins, and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. He got thrown out of the synagogue for his testimony. You know, when we read the book of Acts, we find out the early church, not only many of them would get thrown out, they'd get, they would lose their lives because they testified to knowing Jesus Christ and that he had died and was resurrected and so that we might have eternal life. Jesus heard that they had cast him out and when he had found him. Uh, Pastor Will, when I read this, I thought of your favorite song, He Came Looking For Me. Because Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And it says, and when he had found him, well, you're not going to find somebody. He went looking for him. How many of you could probably say that God's uh, son came looking for you? It can be just through a voice that you hear when you're trying to rest after you've run from what God wanted you to do. He's still there, and he's still wanting us to uh, come to faith. And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him. It is he who is talking with you. He reveals himself at this time. Sounds like uh, resurrection, doesn't it? Then he said, Lord, I believe. You know, if we were to circle words that we thought were important or phrases in here or verses, uh, the thing that stands out to me the most is 38. It said, then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. It's hard to worship if we don't believe. It's hard to truly worship. To me, worship is to have an encounter with God. It's hard to have that encounter if we don't seek to do the will of God. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are you blind also? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains. Of everything that I've read, all 41 verses, to me that is the one that was a little, is a little bit hard to understand. Uh, I think that what they're speaking of here is now they're talking about uh, spiritual sight versus physical sight. 
I love the songs of uh, Fanny Crosby. Blessed Assurance. We heard that last night at uh, President Carter's wife's service. Fanny Crosby wrote, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. And then in it, it says, Watching and Waiting. She was blind. But yet the word she used for the song was watching. So if we are spiritually, are in a spiritual state with God, then understanding spiritual things would not be hard for us. The um, I thought there was one more story, but I don't guess there was that I wanted to tell. Somebody said one time that they liked my stories. Well, I'm about out of stories. I got to get some new material. <laughs> you saved my soul with your story. Well, I, you didn't get many of them today. <laughs> It's like I said, I've got to get some new ones. Got to get some new ones. What's your story? Do you have one? If you do, I'll share this with you. We're glad y'all are here. <laughs> Anybody have anything they want to share about their testimony? Okay. Uh, Pastor Will, do you have anything to share? I, I know one thing, and this doesn't have anything to do with the lesson, but I know how supportive you are of Dr. Smitty. I hate to disappoint you that I'm not going to sing when I come. But one thing we need to remember, December 15th, and I told Dr. Smitty we would try, we need to, by the time Jimmy sends something out, uh, advertising that there'll be a concert here with Dr. Smitty and what's his group? Reedy Creek. Reedy Creek. Reedy Creek Band on the 15th. Uh, we need to go out in the highways and byways and bring them in. Well, Brenda, probably the best thing that we can do is when we get on Facebook, when we get that announcement, which it's already out there, we just share it and send it to our friends. How's that? Hey, well, that okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, Will. Okay, Pastor Regina gave a beautiful lesson today. Don't you think so? So give the Lord thanks. It was a great lesson. I wanted to just very quickly uh, tell you something that was mentioned two weeks ago in our Nigerian service. Somebody may not have heard that, or maybe you didn't understand it when it was being told, but it goes along with the lesson today about the blind man who was healed. And we do fund um, a ministry called Shades of Grace International in Africa in Nigeria, and now it's reaching out into the Democratic Republic of Congo, and we've been able to purchase sewing machines 
for the ladies there to be able to learn how to sew and manage for themselves. But Yuzoma told us of a man that she met when she was there a couple of weeks ago who was blind, and the one thing he wanted more than anything else was to be able to see. But she, um, that's a very poor country, and the money exchange is almost unbelievable. It was something in the millions of whatever their money is. But in American money, it amounted to only $300 US. And so 300 of your dollars that was given through Shades of Grace was applied to his hospital bill. He went to see a great specialist and was in the hospital and the man was able to see. His sight was restored. So he was healed. So God is still healing people of blindness in, and of all things. And he does use medicine and doctors and prayer, but it all comes from God. So thank you, Pastor Regina, for sharing a great lesson today. And uh, I would like you to be in prayer for our service on Saturday. We're going to have a great service as we celebrate hope the first weekend of Advent. Jimmy, can I mention your prayer request? Is there any changes on those? Okay. Uh, Jimmy has been sad today. Two of his family's good friends, people that he's known for many years, uh, one of them has lost a loved one tragically, and she has a child in high school. And another gentleman who probably right now is still undergoing surgery for his brain, and it's not a good uh, outcome, but uh, pray that God's will be done. So that's things that Jimmy has been thinking about today, even though he's been very busy here. We know that his heart is there. So let's pray for all those folks. Um, after our worship here on Saturday, I'll be going to Pennsylvania to speak at a funeral service for a friend that I've known for about 20 some years. And he was 51 and died very suddenly with a massive heart attack in his house and leaves um, four children, two of whom are still young teenagers at home. So we want to remember all of those people in our prayers. And just by the lifting of your hand, do you want to be remembered as we pray? Yes. Ewing, the Ewing family. Okay. Pray for the Ewing family. Okay. Yes, Miss Minnie. The Barker family. Okay. Pray for the Barker family. And there is a couple in Scott County, Virginia, husband and wife, uh, the Halls, both died within one day of each other. So uh, some of the folks knew them. So please remember their loved ones. And then a week from this coming Saturday, when our worship service is ended at 12.30, we'll be having a funeral here for the sister of Billy Peters and Carol, his sister, who comes here. But that service will be here. So it seems things just continue on and on and on, and especially during the holidays. So we want to pray. Lord, we thank you for a beautiful lesson today. Thank you that Pastor Regina was able to be here and... Lord, it was a great lesson, and we hope that many people will listen to that by means of the podcast that goes out. 
Lord, thank you for all that you do for us and help us to do the same for others. For as we receive, let us freely give. In Jesus' name, amen.